Welcome to Pocket Passions. My name is Leanne Diener, and I hope to inspire you by giving people the space to share with you their unique stories and passions. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Emily Gaiman. Emily, could you introduce yourself for us? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, Leanne. Um, yeah, so I'm Emily Gaiman. I'm a storytelling coach. I live in Lapeer, Michigan, outside of Detroit. And uh, yeah, I'm a, a, a storytelling coach. I believe that everybody has a story and I help people see those stories and then walk them through the writing and editing processes to share them. So that's me. That's awesome. That sounds like a super unique um, passion that you have there. So can you tell me a little bit about your background, maybe before college, into college? What were some of your goals that you had before you were educated that you were looking for as you went into, into school? Sure, yeah. So um, I grew up going to church and uh, grew up in a church-going family. You know, we were at church all the time. And so I understood the gospel at a very young age um and grew up in the church you know doing all the church things and uh eventually became part of the youth group and had a great relationship with my youth pastor and his wife and um through that experience of just that great experience of being in the youth group i really fell in love with youth ministry and so they had kind of encouraged me to pursue bible college and ministry and so it just made sense to me to <laughs> to go to Bible college. So I ended up going to Clark Summit University at the time it was Baptist Bible College. And my plan was to meet someone else who was also very passionate about ministry, uh, youth ministry, AKA I was gonna marry a youth pastor. That was kind of like my plan. Um, but I, I still loved school. It wasn't like, I wasn't one of the people who only went to college to get married. I just kind of figured it would happen. Right. Um, spoiler alert, it did not happen. <laughs> No, and that's okay for you. Yeah, no. So, um, so I decided that I wanted to be in the counseling program because I thought counseling is, I mean, you're going to use that in any kind of ministry ever. Right. So, um, and definitely in youth ministry. So I was in the counseling program and I really, I loved it. I loved the, the, um, training that I got, the relationships with professors and, um, I had also gotten a job in the communications department there. So I learned a ton about journalism, web journalism, reporting, interviewing, researching, writing, editing, all the things. And um, so I was so I was in the counseling program. I had a journalism job. Yeah. And then at the the like halfway through my senior year, I was doing the um, observations in the counseling center mm -hmm. and the counseling center at CSU is a fantastic place and I do not want to disparage them at all but it was in those counseling sessions that I was observing that I realized um, not because of CSU but I realized because of me that like I did not have really what it took what it takes to be a professional counselor I did not have the gift of mercy and compassion <laughs> that professional counselors need and have and yeah. So I knew I still loved counseling and working with people in ministry, but I also knew that I probably, I wasn't really cut out to be a professional counselor. And so um, at the end of my four years, I knew two things. One, I wasn't cut out to be a professional counselor. And two, I wasn't going to, to be married to a youth pastor right after college. 
I hadn't, I hadn't dated or met anybody. And so um, it was at that point where I was like, okay, now what? I'm going to walk across the stage, uh, getting my diploma in a program and a degree that I knew I'd probably never use professionally. Mm-hmm. So I kind of had a decision to make. Um, and so I graduated and I knew that I really loved writing and I'd had this job. It gave me a ton of experience and um, skills that I didn't anticipate, okay. but I had them now. And so I thought, okay, this is awesome. I would love to do writing and whatever that looked like is what, I don't know. I didn't know what it looked like. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the summer after I graduated, I actually met someone who was going to be, who would turn out to be my writing mentor. And it was just this perfect timing of like, okay, not knowing what I'm going to do, but then this person coming alongside of me saying, hey, you can do this. Like, I'll help you. You can call me when you get stuck. Mm -hmm. You can do this writing thing. And um, then a year after that, yeah, the next year, um, I decided I was going to go back to school to get an English degree so that I could actually have the credentials because it actually is kind of hard to get a writing job with a counseling degree. (laughs) So I pursued a master of arts in English um, from the University of Michigan. So I had this this counseling degree in one hand, my writing degree in the other hand, and then I met this storytelling company and fell in love with storytelling, which is the perfect mix of counseling and writing. And so I've been building this career in storytelling and it's, it's really been quite fun. So awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's super cool. How those like two very different things kind of came together. Yeah. Um, Backtracking a little bit, you said you were interested in youth ministry. And then when you were here, you chose counseling. When you were here, did they have a youth ministry program? Like what made you choose counseling over just specifically youth ministry? Sure. Um, yes, they did have a youth ministry program, um, put delicately, it was not something that women were encouraged to enroll into. Yeah. So, um, but, and, and I wasn't offended by that really, mm-hmm. um, at the time I, and counseling made sense, you know, to complement a youth ministry right. or a youth pastor, um, in, in any really kind of church ministry counseling was going to prove to be a really valuable skill. So, um, so yeah, that's the short answer to that question. question. That that makes a lot of sense. Um, so kind of, as you went through your undergrad with the counseling, um, you said you had a job in the communications. How did that kind of come about? If, I mean, obviously it wasn't your major. Um, so tell me a little bit about how that happened and what pieces kind of played into that. Yeah, I'm so glad you asked. That's such an awesome God story. So I was a you know poor college student looking for a job on campus and I didn't have a car, so I really needed an on-campus job. And so I went to the person at the time, his name was Roddy Hanna, and he was the career placement guy. And so he was helping alumni find jobs, but he's also helping students find jobs on campus. So he had the keys to the work-study kingdom. If you were a student, you could get a work-study job and okay. he, would, he would help you find it. So I went to his office, hadn't met him before, didn't even know what he looked like. And I sat down on his couch. I'm like, Roddy, I need a job. And he's like, well, I don't really have anything for you. You know, you're looking for on campus. I'm like, yeah, I don't have a car. I need, I need a job on campus. It'd be great. And 
So um, he's like, you know, I really don't have anything, Emily. I, I don't really know what to tell you. Just kind of keep your eyes open and I'll, you know, if something comes along. And so I said, all right, all right. Well, thanks. You know, thanks for your time. And so I got up to go and he goes, hang on. Um, are you a writer? And I was like, yeah, yeah, actually I am. I mean, I would enjoyed English classes in high school and I'd done some writing here and there, but you know, I hadn't ever had a job in it before, but I really enjoyed it. Right. I, I had somewhat of a knack for it. And um, he goes, are you a writer? And I said, yeah, I am. He goes, wait, really? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, actually I am. And he's like, okay, okay, okay. I've got this one job for you. It, it might not work out. He's been through a few students and, and sometimes they don't always work out, you know, so, but just, just go up and meet him. His name's Ken Canelli and uh, he's a nice guy, but, you know, go up and talk to him. And I'm mm -hmm. like, all right. So connected with Ken and didn't really know what to expect. Um, but we just, Ken and I kind of hit it off a little bit, it, it just worked. I understood what he needed me to do. And, um, you know, he'd send me, I, I, you know, so I ended up getting the job and he'd send me stories to work on and I'd, I'd do it. And then he would say, okay, try that again, <laughs> which really means like, that was not good. You need to scrap this. He did that in such a way that I wasn't offended. He was like, no, yeah. it's okay. Like, just try again. And so he really coached me and, and mentored me incredibly throughout the process and taught me a lot about journalism. Um, and so, so yeah, it was, I worked for him for three years and it was, it was a great experience. Yeah. So yeah, I'll never forget that sitting in Roddy's office. Yeah, yeah. I am right. <laughs> um, so while you were working, did you ever like while you were um, getting your undergrad, did you ever think about switching to writing or what made you stick with counseling, even though you clearly really enjoyed writing? Yeah, that's a good question, because so many people um, would would say like, oh, so you're in the you're in the writing program. I'm like, no, actually, I'm in the counseling program. Or yeah. why aren't you in the writing program? Well, yeah, you know, maybe I've thought about it. And I really came down to it. I still really loved youth ministry, and I still really loved the idea of taking counseling skills and making them, you know, super practical in any kind of ministry. And I also thought, um. I also thought, you know, I'm getting so much hands-on experience that some of these things you can't learn in a classroom, right? You can't learn how to work with an editor, like working with a professor is, is a great experience on a, a yeah. piece of writing, but working with an editor in a professional kind of way is just, it's not something you can learn in a classroom. Mm -hmm. And so I was getting all of this hands-on, like very customized, specialized you know, okay, Emily, here's where you're doing good. And here's where you're, you know, you know need to work on some of these right. things. Um, in that kind of real time job environment, I got so much more um, than what I would have gotten in the writing program. Not that the writing program was bad. Yeah. It just was a different angle. A different and so, yeah. And so there was, you know, there's things I missed out on in the writing program academically, but I really, I really think that, you know, that hands-on mentoring side-by-side -side coaching type of experience was, was really valuable. So I stuck in the counseling program, you know, still kind of thinking I was going to be in ministry and that it's still a really good skill. Um, and even the thought was I could use my writing to counsel people in, mm -hmm. in, in a kind of way. Right. Um, 
you know, I could write about counseling issues or write about, you know, mental health issues or things like that. And I've done a little bit of that here and there. Um, but, um, but yeah, I guess that's why largely why I decided to stay in the counseling program. So I kind of got the best of both worlds. Really. Yeah. Yeah. You really did. Yeah. Hit the jackpot on that job there. Sure. <laughs> um, so it sounds like the people who came alongside you were really important to you. Tell me a little bit about maybe like your mentor. I don't know if there were any other people who played a significant role in that kind of development there. Um, but just tell me a little bit about your people who helped you through that. Yeah, that's great. Um, and this is really, I'm passionate about relationships for this, for this reason. I had a handful of professors that were awesome. Um, Linnell Buchanan, yeah. she's a great counseling prof and, uh, yeah, and she's just awesome. And, um, my theology prof, uh, one of my theology profs, Dr. Crago, he's not there anymore, but, okay. um, he and his wife were super, uh, involved in just encouraging me and like affirming me and saying like, yeah, Emily, you, you know, God has given you skills and talents and I want to be part of, you know, building those in you. And so mm -hmm. they really, um, poured into me. And then Dr. Lytle too. Um, okay. I went to the same church as Dr. Lytle and Mrs. Lytle, and they're just really wonderfully encouraging, supportive mm -hmm. people. And so they would speak truth into my life, um, on a daily basis. And then again, Ken Canelli in the, the communications department, I got to know the other people in the communications department and, um, they also just gave me life tips, you know? Um, yeah. so those relationships were really, really key while I was in college. And then my writing mentor, you know, just having someone who says like, Hey, you can do this. You've got what it takes. Uh, you know, call me when you get stuck, you're not going to bug me. Or even if you do bug me, it's going to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so having the people kind of in your corner cheering for you saying yeah. like, yeah, you got this, I'll help you, you know, right. has just been incredibly powerful for mm -hmm. me. And I think part of it is just like, there's a goodness of fit there too. I mean, I've, I've had other people who have felt supportive of me as well, but like, there's like a personality thing that like my writing mentor understands my personality enough to know how to challenge me and how to right. encourage me. Um, and, and other, other people don't understand that. Right. And it's, it's just a goodness of fit. It's just how God yeah. has created all of our personalities. Right. And so that kind of that really was a God moment too, mm -hmm. to, to meet my writing mentor and to just, it just worked. It just clicked, you yeah. know? Yeah. So, yeah. and all sorts of people in and throughout my life who've come alongside and loved me, you know, I think relationships are so key. Mr. Rogers, I'm kind of on a Mr. Rogers kick right now. I'm reading a biography about him. And uh, he has this one quote where he says, everybody has somebody, we all have someone who's loved us into being. Wow. Yeah. And I think that's so true. And I happen to have several people who have like loved right. me into being, yeah. um, being who I am becoming. Obviously my parents are a huge mm -hmm. part of that. Yeah. Um, and the people I have around me, my youth pastor was when I was growing up and my, my pastor now is. Okay. Um, and, and those, those profs and my mentors, like mm -hmm. all of those people have had a part in loving me into being. And, um, it's not always easy because sometimes yeah. they say, they say things you don't want to hear. Right. Very true. <laughs> but, um, but it's, it, it's a huge blessing. So yeah. yeah, good question. 
That's awesome. So once you graduated, how did your life kind of look like right out of school? You know, you had the counseling degree, the writing interests. How did that play out? Just like immediately coming out of college, what did that look like? So I worked on campus um, the summer after I graduated. I worked on a web project for the communications department, which took me all summer, which was really a great, um, you know, great kind of hands-on project for me Mm -hmm. to work on. And that was the summer that I met my writing mentor. Um, and I wouldn't have met my writing mentor if I had not stayed on campus. Okay. So yeah, so that was kind of cool. Um, I also, I think I counseled for TLC on campus that summer. So I was there until like mid August ish. Um, and then I came back home. Um, I moved back into my parents' basement (laughs) and I got a job at a coffee shop, okay. <laughs> which I know is like, I don't know. It's like cliche yeah. or something. Um, <laughs> hey, I but, work at a coffee shop too. I get it. Yeah. Like there's something about coffee, man. Yeah. But yeah, I got a job at a coffee shop and was going to try this freelance writing um, project or, or um, career. <laughs> I'd also connected with a prof at um, CSU Sherry Holloway and she had wanted to take some of her um, speaking messages and turn them into a book and so I uh, she we kind of teamed up together and as I went home I was working on I was working at the coffee shop and I was working to kind of ghostwrite her book okay and so that was like my major my first major freelance writing project and that was um that was, it was a really cool, fun project to start. You know, I, if I could go back now and do it again, I'd, it'd be a much better book. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, um, but I was grateful that Sherry kind of took that risk and, yeah. and leap of faith on me to, to partner with me on that. So that was my biggest, my first big writing project in my career, but was doing that, um, was working at the coffee shop and then decided to pursue that master of arts in English. And so That was largely, Sherry's book was written from my parents' basement with a lot of free coffee. That's what happened. I imagine the best way to write a book. Yes, it for sure is. (laughs) So what what exactly does that process look like? Like writing a book that is someone else's, helping them do that. Can you like explain that a little bit? What does that actually look like? Yeah, a lot of... Um, a lot of research and a lot, like she had most of her messages, um, like as audio files. Okay. So I could listen to her, like she had audio and then she had transcripts or like transcriptions. Right. Um, so I'd listen to the audio, I'd read the transcription and then I'd kind of like create the content from both of those sources, trying to write it because you, you speak differently than you write. Right. So I was crafting the right, the written content, Mm -hmm. but trying to match the tone and flow of Sherry's voice. Okay. Um, And then I had to continually ask myself, like, 
am I writing it this way because it's how I would say it or mm-hmm. if it's or because it's how Sherry would say it. Right. And so that was a big part of the process. And then we just kind of mapped out a calendar of like, okay, here's when chapter one needs to be done. And then I'd send it to her and she'd say, okay, I love this part. And I hate this part. And so then okay. I'd rework it. And so there was a ton of back and forth, like on Dropbox and there was like yeah. five different versions of every chapter, right. <laughs> you know, and it was, it was messy. I mean, it, it was, yeah not interpersonally we worked very well together but right. the process was you know not as linear as yeah. you think yeah right. is it hard so, to like stay organized when you do that how do you yes because like every document on your screen looks the same right <laughs> <laughs> so at one point i had like all the chapters open on my screen oh, and wow. i could just see like the top title of it and okay. i was like chapter 1.3 chapter 2.1 <laughs> like yeah <laughs> So yeah, it was hard. So we had to work very hard at like deciding how we were going to name the files and where they were going to sit and, you know, stuff like that. So, and then like using the tracking, you know, um, tracking the changes on the documents and comments here and comments there and which one's the final version and which, you know, so yeah, it was hard to stay organized, but, um, luckily computers are more organized than my brain. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Right. So it took yeah. us about a, a year. Um, yeah, I want to say a year from start to finish. We had the book ready to go. She was going to be the keynote speaker at the Ladies Life Conference okay. um, that next spring. So we had the book in hand by May something, like the end wow. of May or something. Yeah. Is that like, is that a typical amount of time for a project like that? Um. I'm going to say yes and no in that Mm -hmm. she already had so much of the study and like building blocks of the content done before we started. So it was possible for us to do it in that amount of time. Um, Now I'm working with other self-publishing authors or first-time authors and I give them a window of like two years because it's gonna, you know, you think you've got it all set but it's, it's not, you're going to, you're continually refining and stuff and doing research and yeah. So, um, so two years is probably like from, from scratch, from like no manuscript written at all to a book in hand, um, for self-publishing, uh, traditional publishing varies from, you know, publishing house to Mm -hmm. publishing house, but, uh, you, you probably aren't going to have what you really are very, very proud of in, less than two years unless you've just got a really big powerhouse team of people right yeah yeah yeah. i'm sure that sounds yeah yeah, huge commitments there with the jobs and the projects Um, yeah for sure so it sounds like you had kind of a lot of experience relatively going into your master's how did that feel like all your experience had come firsthand and from being you know on the projects how did it feel to move that into the classroom because I feel like usually it's the other way around Mm -hmm. um so tell me about that experience a little bit you know you you do these accomplishments and these projects and you feel really good about yourself and then you get around like a lot of other people who've done a lot of other things and you realize that maybe you're not as cool as you thought you were (laughs) um but no I think I was proud of the things that I'd accomplished thus far um when I moved into the master's program Um, and what it, what I really valued from that program was just the perspective of a different 
you know, different profs. It was a different setting. Um, it was the University of Michigan with, uh, you know, so many people. I don't even know how many people, yeah. right? Um, you know, moving from moving to that academic setting mm -hmm. from CSU is yeah, like I'm completely sure that's different. Very, very different. Yeah. But it got me around a lot of different people with a lot of different perspectives. Okay. And I had to learn how to talk with people that believed very different things than I did, mm -hmm. that had a very different background. And it, um, it just gave me a renewed appreciation for the possibilities of the future. Um, and it also helped me see where I needed to grow and like everything out there that I didn't know. Mm -hmm. You know, you graduate from college and you think you know everything. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but the more, like, I, I remember coming home one night after class and saying to my dad, who's, who's an English teacher, um, I said to my dad, the more I learn, the less I know. Yeah. <laughs> and that the more I learn, the more classes I take, the more I realize how little I actually know yeah. and how much more there is to learn. Yeah. So it's kind of a weird, it kind of flips it upside right. down. Yeah. But yeah, that program really helped me hone my skills, my writing okay. skills and my thinking skills to just be even sharper mm -hmm. and even more ruthless when it came to writing and editing my own right. work. And yeah. that was really valuable to me. Okay. And did you like work through getting that master's degree or did you kind of take a break from working? How did that? Yeah, work? I was, I was still working at the coffee shop and okay. so it was, but I was a full-time student. And so I graduated with a master's degree on a Sunday morning. And then on, on a Monday morning, I was back in the coffee shop slinging coffee. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, there's not, there's nothing more humbling than that, you know, yeah. from, but that's okay. It was, it was a good experience for yeah. me to, to realize like, okay, you think you're all great because you just got mm -hmm. your master's, but you still have to make coffee. Yeah. <laughs> and that's okay. That is okay. Yeah. But, yeah. How did, so once you came out of your master's degree and you're working now, tell me a little bit about your work experience from graduating with that master's to kind of catch us up to where you are now. Sure. So I, in the middle of my master's program, I met a company called Shattered Media Incorporated, and they were a startup company, a strategic storytelling company. And at that point, I'd never really heard about storytelling or it wasn't really that big of a, a deal yet. Okay. Um, and I mean, it's not really new. I mean, like we've been telling stories since the beginning right. of time, yeah. <laughs> but storytelling as a buzzword was this thing that it was kind of up and coming. And so I didn't really know much about it, but it was an opportunity for me to write. And, um, so I wrote one story for them for my own life and then just kind of kept bugging them to give me more work. Okay. <laughs> you know, I was a grad student and so I was always looking, I'm just a freelance writer trying to build and trying to get more experience and opportunities. And so um, I just kind of bugged them and I said, hey, if you need any editing help, I can do editing, I can do yeah. proofreading um, until they finally were like, okay, sure, like here, try this. And mm -hmm. so yeah. it began really, really small. Okay. And as the company grew, cause it was as a startup, as the company grew, they brought me on for more hours. Um, and then at one point they brought me on full time, but then like lost the funding. So then they, they laid me off for a while. Oh, no. And then, um, and then I worked again for them. And, but I was kind of always working as a freelancer right. for, for fewer hours. Okay. And then um, eventually became full time again 
and became the storytelling director. So I was growing the writing team, teaching people how to write and interview and yeah. edit, doing a lot of content editing, a lot of copy editing, and really leading a team of storytellers and editors. And that was really, really fun. Um, we had an online platform. We were working with another online platform to provide content for them and all the, all story, all things story. Yeah. So through that experience, it really helped me fall in love with storytelling. Okay. And, um, I remember if I can back up just a second, I remember that summer after I graduated, I met my writing mentor and I did some writing work for, for them. And, I said, I, I understand now, I said, my counseling background makes me interested in hearing people's stories. Okay. And my writing makes me want to tell those stories and right. make those stories shine. Yeah. And I didn't even know, and I hadn't met Shattered yet. I hadn't met storytelling at all. And um, that's when it started coming all together for me. So then that, that career with Shattered Media was just like, it was, it was the culmination yeah. of yeah. counseling yeah. English and it was perfect. So I graduated with the masters and then spent a couple years as the director of storytelling. Um, sadly shattered media had to close in 2020 because 2020. And so yep. <laughs> now, yeah, now I am back in the freelance writing game full time. I had always had kind of a, a low, um, I was always kind of moonlighting as a freelance writer, um, right. as well as my shattered job. Yeah. Um, so I kind of just slid right back into the freelance okay. and so here we are. Yeah, here we are. Here we is are. it, is it easy, difficult to find work when you're freelancing? That is the hardest part for me for freelancing is like balancing. Okay. I've got these people that I'm doing projects for. Um, but I also still have to be like finding more projects. Right. So I have to, that's the hardest part is balancing. Yeah. How much time do I spend? finding more projects so that when I'm done with these current projects, I can do more right. projects. Yeah, something to jump that's, onto. Yeah, that's the yeah. hardest part. So a lot of networking, um, going to networking events, okay. um, and just being willing to meet with people um, and tell them how I'm, I could help them, tell them, you know, be interested in their story. And that's really the, the, the most important thing that I can do as a freelancer is just meet people. Okay. So... Yeah, it is. It's difficult. Um, yeah. But with more experience that I've gotten, the easier it has been to okay. make contacts and right. build, you know, build a platform and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. Do you usually do longer projects like books or do you do more like articles type things? Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a combination of both. You know, you yeah. can only take on so many long projects. Right. Um, so I, right now I've got two big book projects that I'm working on um, with authors. Um, and then I have these shorter articles here and there. So, um, you know, those short articles, like a week or a two week turnaround. Um, but then those longer projects. So right now, I guess I would say probably a 60-40 split. I've got like 60% of my work is, is like shorter projects. Um, that is just kind of always churning or I've got like, I've got like two week projects I work on mm -hmm. and then I've got like month long projects right. or I've got a couple clients that I do the same work for them every month. So mm -hmm. that's, it's a long-term commitment, but, but the, the projects themselves, the actual articles I'm writing for them are shorter. So, okay. and then I've got like 40% is like my long-term book projects. 
because I don't charge, like my charge structure for that is that I, I don't charge them until like they've got the working manuscript, you okay. know, kind of. Right. Set. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so those are long-term and I don't, I don't get paid for those until the work is fairly done. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, that sounds super cool. You have those, you know, I love the mix of the, the skills there. That's just fascinates me so much. So it's yeah, really too, cool that you were able to do that. <laughs> um, I'm just gonna finish off with one more question here. And that is, what would you say to the college students listening who aren't exactly sure about where they're at? Do you have any advice, anything you would say to the people who are listening? Yes. So that's a scary place to be where like, okay, so I was walking across a graduation stage knowing that I wasn't going to be a professional counselor. <laughs> and so it was exciting to have graduated and finished my degree, mm -hmm. but I also didn't have any jobs lined up yeah. and I didn't even have a degree that I could use to get the job that I wanted. Right. Um, so that was scary, but um, I felt that you know, I was, I was never worried. I was never worried. I mean, it was, it was scary, but I was never worried. Like I knew that God was in control and that he would bring me to the right place at the right time. Cause he's always done that. Um, and it might not be what I think it's going to be. And it might not be in the timing that I think it should happen in, but he's always brought me to the right place at the right time. And so he has done that. So I guess my first thing would say, like, it's okay if you don't have it all figured out right now. Okay. Like, I want everything figured out right now. I want to know what's going to happen next week. I want to know what's going to happen next month. I want to know what's going to happen next yeah. year and in five years and in 10 years. <laughs> I want to know that my plan is going to happen. Yeah. Um, but that's just not how it works. Yeah. And, um, so you don't have to have everything figured out right now. I think that's a lie that our culture um, wants to tell us is that like, you know, you have to have every, you have to have the next 40 years of your life planned and figured out when you're 22. Yeah. Like who, I mean, it just, it doesn't happen. Does <laughs> anybody actually do that? Well. Yeah, right. Exactly. Does anybody actually do that? I don't think so. I think, you know, life happens. Yeah. You, you things happen. You, you get a great job and then 2020 happens. And right. like, what do you, you can't plan for that. Right. Yeah. So you just have to kind of take it one step at a time, one day at a time and be attentive to the Holy Spirit and how he's moving and trusting God that he knows what he's doing and he's got the whole picture and you can't see the big picture like he can. So, so that's the first thing I would say, like, it's okay to not have everything figured out, like mm -hmm. just the next step, just do the next right thing. Right. I actually think that was something that Dr. Lytle taught me, do the next right thing. I think, it, yeah, I feel like I've heard that before. Yeah, do the next right thing. So, so there's that. And then the other thing I would say is just start building relationships or keep building relationships. Um, the old saying that says it's not what you know, but who you know, mm. um, that's actually really true. Um, yeah. It's not the whole truth. It's like, basically what happens is you get, you get jobs and you get projects because of who you know, whether it's people who you know from your past or the network that you're building right now, okay. that's how you, you likely are going to get jobs and projects. Right. But then it is what you know that keeps those jobs and projects. Mm -hmm. So you still have to have the skills. Yeah. 
Yeah. But you need the relationships right. and right. not that the relationships are just a means to an end. Mm -hmm. They can also be incredibly helpful to you in the middle. Right. Mm -hmm. So my mentors, my professors have been incredibly strategic for me into just, like I said, like having people in your corner saying, you can do this. Yep. I believe in you. Like I see these qualities that God has given you and you're doing the, you're doing the next right thing. And I'm here cheering for you and praying for you. Those mentors and relationships have been incredibly crucial to me personally, just when I'm feeling down or when I'm feeling stuck or whatever, mm -hmm. just pick up the phone or shoot yeah. a text. Like it's been so, so helpful. Um, so find a mentor, find, find mentors um, that know you, that believe in you, that know how you best process um, constructive criticism right. and can affirm you and see what God has done in your life and remind you of mm -hmm. that. You have to remind you of God's work in your life that he's not done with you. Even though you can't see it yet, I can see it. You know, they can see it. Mm -hmm. And um, that's going to be a game changer. So so yeah, don't feel the pressure of having everything figured out right now yeah. and find some mentors. They're going to be so, so great for you. So, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that advice. And thank you for sharing your story. I know you yep. spend lots of time telling other people's stories. So it's nice to hear a little bit of yours there. And yeah, listeners, thank you. thank you so much for joining us today. Join me next time and we will hear more about some other people's stories, their passions, all in our pockets.